Hey guys, it's Tony. I'm here to talk to you about Awaken Conference. Now, Awaken is a young adult gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina from January 31st to February 2nd, 2020. And it's meant to help you recharge your spiritual life and connect with a community that you can grow your faith alongside. Now, this year's presenters include a killer lineup with Caleb Isley of Humans of Adventism and, of course, a friend of the podcast. He's been on a few episodes. Kim Cove, a licensed counselor, and Randy Ban, the creative producer at Nike World Headquarters. The keynotes will be brought by Ben Lundquist of the Rise and Lead podcast, uh, a good friend of mine and an amazing speaker. Trust me, guys, you will not want to miss out. And Absurdity will be there. So me and Becker, uh, you get, get to see us if you come out. Uh, would love to come and talk to you. We absolutely think that this is something you're going to want to come and see. Speaking of, if you enter the code Absurdity at awakennc.com, that's Absurdity, A-B-S-U-R-D-I-T-Y, at awakennc.com, you're going to get a 10% discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code absurdity at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there. Welcome to Absurdity with Ryan Becker. Hey guys, welcome back to Absurdity. Tony and I are back. I don't know why I say that every time. Like at this point, you're just kind of on the show. <laughs> I like. I feel like I, I feel like I, I need to say feel, Tony's not on the show if you're not on the show. I I feel like I'm just hiding behind you, like the audience, and I just kind of like peek out behind your shoulder <laughs> thematically, like, "Hey everyone!" No, you're I'm like, back. "There's this, there's this episode of like Family the Guy where Peter has like <laughs> Peter has this like little um, like growth." It looks like like a tumor uh-huh. on his shoulder. Turns out, like he has this like this like fetal twin or whatever it is like attached to him, and the whole episode is like he has like this little mini me on his shoulder that follows him everywhere. That's that's how I see this now. You're you're my you're not necessarily a mini me, but you are the you are the twin that never got separated, that follows me e- around every- on my shoulder everywhere. Everything about this episode. And really, like the last few episodes, I feel like I'm offended and like like super proud at the same good. time. Good, that's that's like, the just... goal. I've gotten really good at like walking <laughs> that line and towing it real well to where like, man, if our listeners can get through our intro, you know they're gonna love the rest of it. Uh, but if they can't make it through this part, I don't blame them. <laughs> I do not blame them at all. Um, but I. I love last week's episode, Purity and Innocence. I think it was really needed. I can't wait to come back to that topic. We only, I think we only scratched the surface, really, and one day we will come back to I'm it. I'm with you on that. Um, I'm with you on that. And I've got a lot of feedback. People have called me. So, I mean, we're recording this, what, like four days? At, we're recording this Wednesday. The episode released Monday. Monday. So, yeah. like, in just two days, I've gotten more feedback on that episode than I have of a lot of others. So, just really happy with that, really pleased with that. I definitely felt like it was one of our more contemplative episodes. Like sometimes we're just riffing about things that we already feel like in that one. I definitely was like, you know, this is something that I'm figuring out myself. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of times, a lot of times we expect people in leadership positions or I don't know, like because we have a microphone and are shouting into the void that is podcasting. Like we, we somehow have an expertise in this at all. And quite a few podcasts do. Like I listen to like a history one and the dude's like a PhD, another yeah. one where the dude like is British. Um, and he's, so he's kind of telling the British history and he's, he's like quoting people and, but that's not always the case. And it's definitely not the case for us. No, we're like, trying to figure out how to navigate some of this because exactly. And, and for a lot of this, what I found, and, and I, you can go all the way back to episode one and find this out about me. There's a lot of this. It's even, I think on the absurdity website, um, a lot of this I just don't know the answer to. And so some of this is like, but no one else is trying to figure it out. So why don't I try and figure it out? And yeah, there's times yeah. I'm going to be absolutely wrong, but that's okay. Um, because I'm willing to admit that and I'm willing to figure it out. And look, if I can stumble somewhere along the way so that someone else doesn't have to, perfectly fine with me. Seriously. I think we need to do like a new topic 
like I think we found our next one, which is like fear of failure or um, like like the lack, how we should have a lack of fear of failure. We shouldn't be afraid of it yeah. just because you learn so much more from your mistakes than you do from your successes. Yeah. Like Exactly. That's definitely, we're definitely, all right, the future episode. There that's you go. That's why, you know, that's I'm why my self-fulfilling prophecy. That, you know, I make fun of you a lot, so I'll give you something self-deprecating for a change. But, you know, I used to say, I used to say <laughs> Thank when. Thank you for admitting it on, <laughs> on, on live, on tape, so um, that I can. I, you know, I used to say, I'm the youngest of three kids, so I used to say that practice makes perfect, and that's why my parents stopped after me. But really, it's my parents learned after their final mistake that they should never have another kid because they'll come out like me. So they said, look, Ryan's the last one. We cannot do this to the world again. Um, we're just going to stop <laughs> it's just here. Getting worse. It just, it's it getting just worse gets, with each exactly. one. It's not getting better. It's not getting, it's not getting any better. better. So we're just going to stop on Ryan. Uh, but no, let's, so let's, let's, let's dive in. Uh, with that being said, <laughs> let's, do that. Let's, let's jump in, unless we want to make this a Roast Ryan episode, which I'm fine with. Um, we, need more, we need crazier music for that. Like we need like, like a hype. High- like we need we need something was that, like that we weren't prepared was that supposed to be yakety sax that was that was supposed to be? i think so yeah i don't <laughs> like, know if sure. there's someone out there that wants to produce some sound effects for us i will happily happily accept that we're taking applications at all times ryan 180 becker at gmail.com just hit me up but we're talking about worship today we're talking about leading worship what is worship how do you worship how do you not worship how many hands are you supposed to hold up when you worship are you supposed to hold up your neighbor's hand when you worship? Um, things like that. So, um, Tony, you came to me with this one. So, and usually yeah. when you do that, I kind of just let you take the lead. <laughs> uh, so, so kind of introduce us to this. What, what, how do you want to run this? Sure. Yeah. I mean, this is a topic I think that so many people have talked about. So, I don't want to talk about like worship style necessarily. Um, and we can definitely talk about the importance of it and, and why. But to me, it, you know, I related to an experience. I, I went to a church recently, um, attended a, a Seventh Adventist church, but it's a church plant, and it's a very good church plant. Very, you know, uh, warm and kind, um, very intimate, uh, lots of fun, um, bunch of neat people. It's a little bit too far away for me, but it was really cool to to see. Um, what bugged me about it, though, is I went there and I thought, okay, you know, one of the things about big churches that I always struggle with is you feel so disconnected. You know, it, it feels like uh, like a concert almost, if that makes sense. Um, I don't know. And so, like, there's just this huge disconnect between you and the person on the stage. Mm. And so that's and, – and they're very intentional. Some churches have to be very – at that stage, you have to be very intentional about um, being intimate and connecting. In. And so I thought for sure, oh, hey, you know, I'm going to this little church plan. It'll be awesome. Um and and this is not disrespect to that particular worship leader on that day, but it's something that I noticed a lot. And I was like, oh, man, you know, and it struck me and I go, we need to talk about this. And it's that even in that very close, intimate environment, it felt very disconnected. Like I, I he did not do a good job uh, connecting the audience with the songs and with the worship style and, and or, or um, you know, with the worship service. He did not kind of build um you know, a connection there. And it, and it just bugged me because he, he was, you could tell he was a good musician and that he had people singing with him and it was songs everyone knew. So it's like all the elements were there, but I felt like we, and that's not a knock on him. That's a knock on us as an organization institution. And also like, we need to be able to train people better to actually lead worship. And so the first thing I kind of want to ask you about Becker, if that's cool, is kind of this idea of like, what what is worship to you? Like when you hear the word worship, what do you first think about? My birthday? No. Um, <laughs> uh, that that right. might be the most egotistical joke I have ever made. Like it's period. pretty close. It's it's, it's, it's got to be. There. It's up there. It is. It's up there. Um, top five. <laughs> no, I um when I think of worship, you should see his. I I wish you guys could have seen his face. By the way, he did his completely deadpan. Like yeah, oh yeah, straightforward. My just birthday. The most bored, like obvious like, fact yeah. ever. Like yeah, no, my birthday. Not, totally. I don't. Why are you not there? Like I'm LeBron here. LeBron James, Beyonce, there? my birthday. Yeah. Those are the, no. So I think of worship, um, as at least in the sense of worship. Are we talking about in the in the in the in the context of the worship service, like like church no, service, like straight or just, up when you hear the word. Like what comes to mind when you hear it? I hear warships and no, okay, I'll stop joking. I'm sorry. To everyone still listening, thank you. Um 
when I Stay when I us. think of worship and when I hear that word, I think of uh, any sort of um, praise being given to. I, when I hear the word worship, at least in the Christian context, praise being given to God. Um, that's what I. That's how I view it: is praise being given to God. Worship in general is praise being given to something, whether it's an object, a team, or a person. So there's there's some direct object as a result of your action. So it's it's giving praise. Um, affirmation, recognition, uh, gratefulness, gratitude, all that. Like it's all pointing at um, there's some object on the other end. So with worship in the Christian setting, I, I would point it towards God. Okay, yeah. When you think like church church service worship, what do you think of? Oh, that's just song service. Interesting. Like I, like like that's that's the only thing you like, consider it to be. No, it's not what I consider it to be. It's okay, what I what you it's, think it's, it's not what it's, it's what, what I think associate. of. Yeah, if this was yeah, a gotcha, Rorschach gotcha. test, that's what I see on the ink blot. Um, that's your first. No, I actually think worship. Uh, I I think the whole service is is worship. Um, I think the sermon is worship. I see the. Um, I actually think the sermon is the most important part of that because it's engaging the. You know the reasoning, the logic, the intellectual portion of understanding who God is. Um, so okay. I, I would say. Now that being said, I would say that the sermon is the most important part of worship, from my position, from where I stand. You might disagree with this. That's fine. You're just wrong. Um, there's. Um, I think the sermon is the most important part of the worship service, as far as the current model of and liturgy is concerned. So does that make sense? So, and I'm talking about a consistent basis. I think communion supersedes it when we do communion, for example. But um, I would say that in the current liturgical structure of our services, the current way we kind of do church across the board, uh, you know, songs, tithes and offering, prayer, that kind of thing. I tend to I, I tend to put the sermon kind of there at, at, at there. Um, but I would also put I would probably equate prayer there as well. Um, but when I when I think what I think about first is praise and worship or the 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 song service portion. Well, it's interesting you bring that up. I think a lot of people would agree with you. I personally like to separate praise and worship separately. I consider them to be separate. Um, but I, I I agree with where you're coming from as far as like definitely the way that our church service is currently built. It focuses the 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 central point would be like the sermon or that. The, the delivery of a certain message, a prophetic message, if you will, yeah, um, which which is not biblical in the sense that that's not a biblical model. Um, that's not the way that the Jews held their service. Their service was more reading, and not necessarily an explanation of the text, but more like a like a presentation for a discussion. I guess is the best way to say mm -hmm. that. Um, for like small groups and discussion and, and stuff like that. But um, yeah, the way that we currently built it, especially, and I will also admit in the mainstream and evangelical community um, and even in the fundamentalist community, for the most part, that's kind of where it's at. I think mainstream is moving more towards um, music and the, um, how do I say that? Uh, the production of it, I guess, yeah. versus, versus like, just the sermon. But I think even in that, I think there are a lot of, if you have a great preacher, like they put, you know, a Louis Giglio or a Stephen Furtick or so, you know, like they'll definitely still centered around them. Absolutely. So I agree with you with that. Um, to me, I separate the two only because I realized that um, like in studying, and you're going to laugh when, when I say this in studying revelation 14 and the three angels message in particular, I found in the first angel's message, there was like praise language and worship language. And I started studying like praise and worship and the, and is there a difference? And I found like worship is a specific thing that's referenced in the Bible, in my opinion. And then praise is, is a separate thing. And I think you were dead on with what praise is. And that is like lifting someone up or kind of giving them glory, which is what like the first part of, of Revelation 14, 7 says, right? you know, fear God and give him glory mm -hmm. uh, for the hour of his judgment has come. That's praise language. Um, giving someone glory or, or, you know, there's a great phrase. We're both soccer fans. Um, when a soccer team has done really, really well or football, as they call it in the majority of the world, um, when they do really, really well, there's a phrase they say they've covered themselves in glory tonight. 
and it's a way of you know praising them for something that yeah. they've done. Um, you can praise anybody. I think praise is is everywhere. Like you can like, mm-hmm. wow, you've done a really good job. You know, you look really nice today, or oh, your concert was so good, or um, oh man, you got a hundred percent on your t- way to go. You know, you studied so well for your test. Like that, anything can be praised as long as you're acknowledging that someone has done well in something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where praise comes from. Worship, on the other hand, I think is different. That's the next session, which is a worship him who made uh, the heavens, the sea. Um, I should be reading. I should know this, right? I'm an Adventist pastor. I should have this memorized. I worship him who created the heavens and the sea and all that is in them. Um, yes. Anyway, the, the point is that you worship God for who he is. God is the creator. And so the very first mentioning of worship in the Bible comes from Genesis. And it's when Abraham takes uh, Isaac and they're about to go up on the mountain uh, to kill him. <laughs> As it, Isaac doesn't know this at the time. Um, so he, he turns to the servants and says, you guys stay here with the donkey. I will go up on the mountain with the boy to worship. And so it's this connection between the sacrifice act and worship. And then when you think about what the sacrifice meant and everything like that, it was an act of submission to God, um, which is why Cain's, you know, that whole thing with Cain and Abel. Um, those of you who are not familiar with that story, the first two boys on earth, uh, Cain, did a sacrifice to God of his fruits and vegetables because he was a farmer. Uh, Abel was an animal husband or a shepherd, and so he killed the lamb the way that God had asked him. God did not accept Cain's sacrifice. He accepted Abel's. And the point was not that Cain's stuff wasn't good. It was good, but it was that you needed to submit to God. This act of worship is an act of submission because we're acknowledging that God is the creator. We're acknowledging something bigger than us, and we're putting it up on a pedestal, if you will, um, which I think you, I think, so to me, I think they go hand in hand, praise and worship. I think they're parallel to each other, but they're separate in the sense that I can praise somebody for doing well without submitting myself to their authority. Yeah. If that makes yeah, any sense. Yeah, that's fair. Like, and, and worship so is more holistic I because it, praise, it requires more from you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And I think when we talk about worship, we're talking about acts of both praise and worship. And I think that's the problem is that we've kind of umbrellaed this under it. Oh, so you tricked me. And okay, and it should be too. No, but I th- I think that's why. Like, no, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Legit, it's easy to. It's I'm easy. just trying to. I got this one on you, haha. <laughs> but I, I like I totally get why that happens, and and I think that's why, and I think that's why we're at where we're at, and I think that's why this this kind of situation happens where we don't understand this concept of worship, and we can't lead people into it. We can't lead them into this environment. Yeah. Um. So my next question. Which And this also, by the way, this is why I believe, personally, you can watch shows that are secular, you can watch awards shows that are secular, and you can see all this, this stuff. And, and if the conspiracy theorists are true, then maybe I'm the one that's in the wrong. But I think you can do all that and praise and be like, oh, that was such a good job without worshiping them. And I think that the problem is that they're asking for your worship. And so if you give that to them, these pop stars and music stars and movie stars, then yes, you're doing wrong. But I think I can praise someone and be like, oh, that was a great performance or that was a great job in that movie or show, et cetera, so on, without necessarily worshiping them and saying like, oh, my goodness, they are, you know, like I will do anything. They are, you know, yeah, a, a deity or whatever. Hey, I'm um, going to need you to not put my love for Chipotle on blast on this podcast. I was not referring to Chipotle, <laughs> and my love but I for also it. understand. I, I feel like the lady doth protest too much. Um, just so everyone knows, there was a little Twitter spat between Becker, myself, and a friend uh, that that moseyed on to Chipotle territory, and he got very angry. I did. So I was just, very don't, passionate. Don't mess. Um, I, it's okay. You love Chipotle. I love There's, Chipotle. It's a love relationship. There's nothing wrong with that. No, okay, I would agree, so, but I agree with you. I do think worship yeah. requires... I'll stop joking around. I've been like in phone calls all day and in meetings and be super serious. So like it's nine 50 at night and I'm like, I'm just like Bro, done, like, just, but I'm just, I'm going to turn joking. it back on. It's good. I promise. I'm sorry, well, everyone. Serious time is coming. Um, it's okay. I <laughs> fair. I, I do agree with you. I do think worship requires more of you more from the worshiper. Praise is really easy to just throw someone a compliment. Uh, worship right, yeah. requires a change in your life to some, to, to some degree. To some degree, yeah, for sure. Um, absolutely. So I, I would agree with that. And and I think that's where a lot of people get uncomfortable is with worship music. Like as Adventists, 
this is a tangent. We're not going to get stuck on it, but I am going to briefly mention, I think as Adventists and a lot of fundamental churches, we don't worship very well. We praise very, very well, but we don't worship very well, mm-hmm. which is ironic because so much of Adventists' life is about submitting to God in a holistic way. So like our entire week is submitting to God in a sense that our lifestyle and our eating habits and are supposed to be all submitted. And yet we don't do a very good job in the actual church service, in the worship service of actually worshiping and acknowledging God. Like we're very good at giving God compliments, but then we get really uncomfortable and it's like, and now it's time to, you know, like really get emotional and vulnerable about it. We're like, ah, I'm not okay with this. Can we get to the intellectual part? Like, let's get to the sermon so that I can think and not have to feel, um, and that's, that's, not, that's not saying that intellectual acknowledgement of God isn't also worship, but I think it has to be both, and we don't do a very good job. I mean, job. God created like, us in, totally our, in his image. God experiences emotions. Emotions are a part of the fullest yeah. human experience and being a part of what God has called us to be. So yes, absolutely, worship, I think, involves both worship, both emotion and intellect. Okay, so before we go on to the next section, because I have some questions to ask you. I have to clear the air a little bit, or not necessarily clear the air, but like acknowledge something to our audience so that they understand where we're coming from. So Becker and I, um, actually Becker was the one who introduced me to it, and that's a fun little story, but Becker and I ran for about three years, I think, through, uh, we ran a worship, a traveling worship group um, in our undergrad school at, at Southern Adventist University. Um was it, what would it say, three or four? Was it more or less? Three years. It's about three I years. I was involved with it before, I, but I was... Yeah, we were both involved I, before. Yeah, I was, in, I was, in, I was heavily involved or was, or, or was a part of running yeah. it for two and a half, three years. And we actually got to do that together for a semester, which was awesome and great. Um, but yeah, so like we were involved in this and that the, my first trip, like I didn't even know about it. And Becker couldn't make a, a speaking appointment. And he goes, oh, you should ask this guy. And uh, I ended up getting a job running it uh, the year after because of that. So it was, it was really cool. But we ran the service, so we are heavily invested in this concept of worship. Um, we did it well. Uh, it was it was all different styles. Um, we used to literally go to black churches and sing gospel music. We used to go to conservative white churches and do all hymns with no drums and just acoustics. Um, we used to go to contemporary churches and do like you know, full on uh, mainstream. What's the what's the cutting Christian. edge CCM. song that's out there? Yeah, super super contemporary, like the the Hill most song, cutting edge. Bethel, whatever you know, yeah, yeah. Bethel, Jesus culture, like everything that was up there, elevation. Um, and then we used to do everything in between, and so and it was more than just that. Like we did small groups, we spoke, like we could run an entire church service um, if we needed to in whatever context. So we did it very well. We did it on a high level, and that was all we had to do. We didn't have to worry about like the the evangelism part. Uh, we didn't have to worry about like Bible studies or anything like that. Like we were just there to do worship. So we already have like preset opinions and things like that. Um, so, so just so everyone knows that we're already invested in this, that being said, Becker, have you had a truly immersive worship experience? Have you ever felt that where you felt like, well, okay. Have you had it? And what was it like? Hmm. Um, yes. Um, there are two specific moments I can actually think of that I would, I would say, um, number one was I was at catalyst conference about three or four years ago with a, with a mutual friend of ours who's currently pastoring down near Miami. Um, uh, crazy Cuban guy that both of us, uh, Tony now knows who I'm talking about. I hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, so, I do. Um, and if he's listening, I don't even know if he listens to this podcast, but you know who you are because I was with you. And I remember we would we we he and I was standing would would sit next to each other in every program. Catalyst is a is a leadership conference that happens in Atlanta, and it also happens on the West Coast as well. I think in San Diego, uh, but it's an annual conference, uh, two day conference that. Uh, is about leadership. It's for leaders. It's mainly ministry driven. So there's praise and worship. There's um, mega church pastors speaking. There's organizational leaders speaking. There's, excuse me, I just super burped and I'm going to mute the burp part. And all you're going to hear is excuse me when this comes live. Um, <laughs> but I, Ryan just burped. Uh, so no, I can't, uh, yeah, but major, major, um, 
conference, like 13,000 people show up to this thing. It's in an arena yeah. in, in Atlanta. And our, our mutual friend and I were singing and, and praising so much we had lost our voice. And I remember the very last service, uh, the yeah. very last session, I was like, I can't sing anymore, but I'm really enjoying this and I want to sing. So I said, yeah, but my voice sure. was shot. So I said, God, let me sing. I, that was my prayer. I was like, God, I want to sing. Give me my voice back for this one last. It was the last song of the session. It was, um, right. uh, it yeah. was 10,000 Reasons by Matt Redman. Uh, Matt Redman oh, wasn't singing it. Yeah. But now, granted, that song is not exactly the most vocally difficult song to sing. All right. So I'm not saying that this was like some huge miracle or whatever. But for that song, I did not miss like you, you, a single. You did the, the solo part on Ocean. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, for real. Um, no, but for that song, like I was able to fully sing at full volume that whole time, and it was this huge moment of of God immediately being there. And and look, there's immediately cynics that look at that kind of experience. They go, "Well, yeah, but there's hungry children across the world, and God cares more about you being able to sing one song than that." Uh, some prayers are easier to answer than others. Okay, like can we? <laughs> this this episode isn't about I mean, that. Those aren't those aren't mutually exclusive. Yeah, like, like God can care about children starving yeah. in Africa, and you singing um, at the same time. Yes. He's he's pretty powerful. Like yeah. he's a big God. Um. So I, you know, I, um. But it was just a really powerful moment for me. It was a reminder. I actually make it a point now to sing that song at pretty much full volume, whatever it. Uh, whatever it does play. That was number one. Number two was at Passion Conference, which is a young adult conference that happens in Atlanta. Uh, the year I went was the last year that they, it was it was a, like a super multi-day, it was like four days long, and 65,000 young adults, 18 to 25, were there. It was there in 2012, and they, Chris Tomlin led the song, How Great Is Our God? That's not. I was going to say it. It changed, right? Yeah. They don't. Do no, they don't do it the big way anymore. Four days now. But now, yeah. but so Chris Tomlin comes out. He leads How Great Is Our God, which is like the most basic, like, Contemporary song, which now it's not even considered really contemporary. It's it's starting to. Yeah. But what they did was, while he played it, they had different artists from different countries come out and begin to sing that song live in different languages. They had a full on choir from I forget what country, somewhere in Africa, and I just cannot remember the country. Uh, Ghana, maybe. I I can't remember, but. A whole choir came out and and sang, and there was there was all these different languages, and it was one of those crazy moments where I realized it was a reminder or a realization that the majesty of God transcends the cultures, and yeah. music was the was the method that connected all of them, because even yeah. while someone was singing in Russian on stage, I was able to sing in English and keep per, in perfect step with them, like. It right. was just one of these crazy moments sitting with 65,000 other young adults. Um, it was just amazing. So those are two big moments, at least in the, in, in the music worship portion, where like that was, those were two big um, immersive experiences for me. Have you had one where it was like the whole service? Did that continue on in those two where like the speaking portion and other portions? I will, I'm like, going to say no, simply because I don't remember anything else that happened in those sessions. That's fair. Does that's that make fair. like, I, 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 yeah. I would love to say yes, but. But, you, but you've had that moment where it was like you were completely locked in and connected and you felt like I was speaking to you. Yeah. Like yeah, you yeah, yeah. I, I would uh, say as yeah. far as worship is concerned, I mean, the, the moment for me is prayer conference every year, but anyone who knows me yeah. knows that. Um, that would be the fully immersive experience that carries me from, from moment one to. nail. Yeah, no, no. You can't really nail one particular prayer conference down versus you could tell those two moments. Well, that's fair. Um, I've had a few too. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's amazing to me, and it's interesting that you found two of those at non-Adventist events. Um, I've had them in non-Adventist churches. I've had them in Adventist churches. I've had them at non-Adventist events. I've had them at Adventist events. So it's interesting to me. I I understand why some people. They only can have it at a at a Adventist event if that's you know their their mindset or whatever their denomination is. You know they're like I just don't feel comfortable someplace else and I got, like I totally get that, but um, like for me I just have had them everywhere, um, in all different contexts like all different worship styles et cetera et cetera. So I what was it about? Those, not necessarily those two in particular, but you can, if, if those two explain it best, but what was it that led you in to that immersive experience? Well, let me rephrase because I don't want to lead you. 
what was it about those two worships that felt, or when you have a great worship moment, um, that made it so good? What was it that made it so awesome? There are moments that I that I cannot remember sitting in and thinking, there's anywhere else I'd rather be. Um, there was nothing about those moments, and there are more than just those two. Those are two stories that... Right, right. Uh, Particular. Yeah, I, yeah. There was, in those moments, there was no part of me that was like, I wish I was somewhere else, or I wish this would hurry up and end. There was actually, it was quite the opposite. It was, I wish this won't end. Um, and it's not often I feel that way. Even when I'm preaching, sometimes I'm like, lunch is almost here. I just got to make it 10 more minutes. Um, wrap it up. Wrap it up, yeah, Ryan. Wrap like it up. That's, so I... Um, but it, you can smell the garlic bread wafting in from what the... what determines an immersive worship experience for me is wishing is hoping that it that it will last um is not wanting to leave that moment because in those moments I actually feel like I'm in the presence of God um so that's that's i i it, and I don't mean I, feel like emotions I mean feel like like the totality of who I am yes, like yes like no I I totally want to bring that yeah, up. Because... The totality of who I am recognizes that I'm in my emotions my mind my my everything yes yes. No, absolutely, because, and I want to bring that up because I was, I was going to mention it. Like, I keep using this word immersive, and I feel like that's the one that, like, a conservative website's going to be like, see, they belong to the Jesuits or whatever. Um, if they figure it out, they'll figure it out before I do. So, so when I say immersive, it's that idea. It's that I am totally in the presence of God. He is here. I, I, I know it intellectually. I feel it spiritually, and I'm experiencing it emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, to where it's like your entire, it's the, it's the totality of you're, you're completely in. That's what I mean when I say immersive, I don't necessarily mean interactive or whatever, but it's where you are involved and that can take a totally different feel for so many different people. Um, we have a mutual, really good friend of ours. He grew up in South Carolina. Um, he's a good old boy from the South. Like he does not, he's not a feely guy at all. Mm. Like at all. He's a, he's a non-active Marine. Um, just just not a feeler. But I asked him about this. We were talking about worship and different things. And he goes, no, I've totally, I know what you're doing. I just didn't feel it. Like, I don't feel things. And he's not a sociopath. <laughs> I should have explained that, too. Um, he's just not a feeler. Like, he's not touchy-feely. That's not him. But he he was like, I've had that, where you feel the Prince of God and you don't want to leave. And, the, and you're totally, and, and he used the word immersive. And that's when we were talking about that. And he goes, yeah, you're immersing yourself. Um, you were completely into it. And so that's that's the word I want to use, and I want to pick up on what you mentioned because I feel like there's so many other people, and I think also it's I think and feel because it's immersive thought um, that so many people haven't had that experience because they don't know what's possible. Mm. Um, my in in all the experiences that I've had where I've had that. And I've been super intentional about trying to do this whenever I'm leading worship, whether it's uh, from a music side, which is my particular, that's how God speaks to me. Um, but if there's a really good music set, I'm, I'm ready for a sermon. So for me, this is interesting. If I have a really good worship leader who starts with worship, uh, a music really well and gets me in and creates a really good environment. Um, and obviously you have to come uh, with the right mindset. If you're like, yeah, yeah it's a two way street for sure. God can sometimes break through, um, but but you know when you come with the right mentality, it's it's much easier. But when the worship leader comes in, it's an immersive experience, and and you are, and I'm set up like I can have like this, it can be a sermon done by an amateur, you know, who's not even that good, doesn't really hit all his points, and I'm like in, I'm locked, I'm like yup yup yup, um, which is hard for me. I'm I'm, I'm a preacher myself, and I'm very critical. Um, when it comes to to sermons, sometimes I'm very. It's hard for me to turn off the 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 analytical side of my brain when someone's preaching, where it's like, oh, I would have done that differently. Oh, I would have explored that that point more. It's hard for me just to be. I have to stop and think about. Shut up! Like tell the tell the part of my brain that's working to be like, shut shut up! Just listen to what they're saying. Um, listen to what God's trying to tell you. And so, but at, like when I have a really good worship leader. Who, who brings me in with music, pff, I'm in. Like, that part's gone. Like, it's it's asleep. So um, that's why I say to me, like, that's why I asked, have you had one that continued? Um, because for me, it's usually, that's it, they're usually tied together. I rarely have one where one doesn't have the other. Um, 
So to me, I've always been very intentional about wanting to lead people in because I think that there's not necessarily a formula for how to do it because, like I said, it's a two-way street. Whenever you work with people, um, the chaos theory abounds. I don't know if anybody in here has ever seen Jurassic Park. It's one of my favorite films. Um, there's this great idea, and, and I don't subscribe to the evolutionary side of it, but I absolutely believe that God, because of sin, created this idea of chaos where you cannot predict how something's going to happen. There's this great scene where he takes the water and he puts it on the palm and says, which way is it going to go? And the first way it goes left and the first way, the next time it goes right. Um, and he's like, you can't tell because there's all these micro changes going on, the texture of your skin, the size of the water, the, the, the distance that I drop, and all these mathematical quantities are working together to form what's called chaos theory to the point that you cannot really gauge how it's going to work. And so I subscribe to that. Totally, in this world. When when people are involved, you cannot every single time have a completely immersive worship experience um, for every single person. Absolutely. It's not going to happen. However, I do think that there are certain things you can do to create an environment of worship and lead people into that that make it much, much easier for the majority of people to have it, um, if that makes sense. Like, okay, so step back for a second. Does any of this make sense, or do I sound like I'm crazy? No, uh, I mean you sound pretty chaotic, you know, all over the place. I, ha, ha, uh, ha. Uh, I, I agree with you uh, for the most. Am part. I being I mean, absurd? I guess here's all right. That was that was good. I get. I I hear you loud and clear now. I'll snap. Um, <laughs> I get it. I understand. <laughs> I I think the way that the. Uh, I think when we're talking about leading people in worship, what you're doing is you're leading people into um, an atmosphere of submission to God. You're leading people into exactly. submission to God, and yep. um, every part of that. So when I and this is why I, I would say the sermon is so. This is why I say the sermon is the most important part of that in the current liturgical structure. Um, the the sermon is leading you to make life changes, to convict you in life changes that would lead to lasting life impact of some in submission to God that would, that would last outside of the church walls. Praise and worship, the, the, you know, song service portion where you're singing is meant to embrace submission to God right here and now. Whereas the sermon looks at the past, present and future to say, what do I need to do differently or how can I submit more holistically to who God is calling me to be or to who God is. Yeah. That's why that's why I say the sermon. Um, but I, I, I think if you're leading people in worship, you're leading people into submission to God. You're leading people into an atmosphere where they can submit to God. Um, so it's not just leading and telling people what to think. It's leading people to... I'm actually going to preach about this pretty soon. Uh, there's, the, there's the text, uh, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. It's a proverb. I forget which proverb. Maybe you know off the top of your head. Um, nope. Good. But, um, everyone thinks that means like parents me think that means like, that means I need to teach my child how he should live. And when he's old, like, you know, he needs to be a Christian now so that when he's old, he won't stop being a Christian. Right. We seem to think teach Proverbs 22. Thank you. So we, Proverbs we, 22, six. we think, okay, I need to teach my kid the things to do when he's a kid so that when he's old, he, he'll, you know, he'll keep doing those things. No, 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 no. We've missed the point. <laughs> And experience is all you need to know that you've missed the point there. Um, if you, yeah, if like you, if, if, go ahead. If, if that worked, nobody would smoke cigarettes. Yeah. The train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is, when he is old, he will not depart from it. Basically means this help your child figure out who they are supposed to be and who is God calling them to be. And, help them become the fullest that they can be so that when they were old, when they are old, show them the way they should go. Show them the way that God is calling them to go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. So it's not saying parents project what your idea for where they should go is. It's saying parents help your child become the fullest they can be. And leading yeah. people in worship is exactly that. It's helping people find out and discover who they are in Christ and how they can submit to Christ to become the fullest that God has called them to be. How, how important would you say worship is for a church? I, 
I don't mean like a service. I mean like a, a congregation slash denomination. How, how important would you say? It's vital. I do think it's vital. I think, I think there are a lot of churches that worship without realizing just how holistic their worship is. Um, and there are parts of their service or there are parts of their life as a church that they're like, yeah, they're, they're doing the right thing, but they don't know what the right thing is. Like they don't know they're doing the right thing or they don't know that, that what they're doing is an act of worship. They may not recognize yeah. it or know yeah. how to like expressly or express it. So I, um, like an amateur this is a great phrase. I've probably said before, I'll probably say it again. Um, an amateur has success and cannot explain to you why it just happened. A professional has success and can tell you exactly the steps they took to get there. Yeah, and like sometimes I think churches worship amateurly, which is a it's in that context. You know, it does not mean bad quality or anything. I think they they just kind of stumble into success, um, without knowing how or why. They're just saying and God. Let some us churches live. are just super intentional, and I think God has a factor. In oh, that absolutely for sure. But I think it's also sometimes we just kind of experience something or we have like I was driving in my car today and I just want to and and so you kind of stumble into it and be like I felt you know this or or just years of watching it happen or you go to a catalyst or something you and you see it and you're like I want to replicate this um but not, don't understand the intentionality behind worship what worship is doing. a life lived in submission to God like like yeah. I I um I think that's kind of where we're landing here um as far as that's concerned um and I think um, so it's not just, oh, he brought me here safely today. Um, but I, the way that, um, so we, we actually, we, you pointed this out last, last week um, of what um, the biblical word for, or the, the Hebrew word for the sexual intercourse is, which is yada, or to know. It says when Adam knew his wife Eve, the word is yada, and we know that mean to be, and, 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 and the idea of yada is to be intimate with or to become one with. It's, it's yeah. to be so intimate that you, are connect, you, you basically become one being yeah. and one thing. The word yada is used also in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. It says, you know, um, trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And um, yada is used for the word acknowledge. We've translated it as acknowledge, to, and, and so we tend to read it as, oh, I just need to give him credit. I need to thank God whenever I get somewhere safe. Yeah. I need to thank God whenever yeah. this happens. I need to thank him for his... But what it's actually saying... It's really... A, it's a mistranslation. In yeah. all your ways, be one with God. In all your ways... Or know be, him. Yeah, know yeah. him. Be know so him. intimate with God. You know him. You are you are walking with him. You are... Um, this is... this. He's a part every... He's, he's in every part of your life. I'm not saying like... I'm not trying to be creepy with that statement. I'm just saying like you, you become inseparable. Um, I mean, let's talk about that for a second, though, because I think it is creepy. I think a good love story should be a little bit creepy. This is, Does that this make sense? is why you and I are not married. Like the line like, Not to each other. Stalker. I mean, this is why we're not. <laughs> <laughs> this is why either the, of us are not married individually. The line between a stalker and a lover, I think, is, is very fine. It's where there's acknowledgement on both sides. Yeah. Because if somebody shows up at your door without you knowing it and has flowers and a gift and knows a lot about you and has been thinking about you all day, that can either go really well or you're going to get a restraining order. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, like when David talks about like, Oh, uh, the, the mercy and, and, uh, surely goodness and mercy. shall you know, follow me all the days of my life. He's not talking follow that. That's another mistranslation. The word is literally to chase after it. Like it's stalking me. It's yeah. coming after me. Like it's the concept of of like a, a a a predator chasing down its prey, like a cheetah, you know, or a, a jaguar, a lion, like running down. Like if you've ever seen, you know, Animal Planet or or you know any of the the you know Blue World or whatever the BBC one is. What's that one? The BBC version of it. Planet Earth. Ugh. What? Planet Earth. Have you ever seen like Planet Earth and you just like you get that beautiful aerial view and you just see like the predator just like going after this animal like that's how god is chasing after you it's meant to be a little creepy like it's meant to be a little bit like it, it's either it you can't stay in your comfort zone with someone who truly loves you you can be comfortable with them but you cannot ever get into a a, a zone of like apathy yeah. um and that's when love begins to die like that's 
when when the fire quote unquote goes out is when the love begins to die. And it's like you can't do that if you truly like are in a loving relationship with somebody. And that's how it's supposed to be with God. Is he supposed to you're supposed to know each other in such an intimate level so well that it's 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 almost it's almost creepy. It's almost like, you know, you finish each other's sandwiches and and that's kind of how you're supposed to do that. That was an arrested development. Yeah, I caught on to that one. Okay. All right. Uh, I, I just want to make sure. I think um, season yeah. five just came out, so. but it's a two way street, right? So there are people that are leading it and then there are the people sure. that are sitting in, in a pew or a chair or table, whatever. And, and there are two people, there, there are two questions. There's a question that everyone has to ask. So the leader has to ask, how do I, how do I help lead these people into submission to God? Not submission to the leader. All right. So this isn't yes, a cult. That's key. Right? Not submission to the leader, submission to God. Right. So that's the first thing the second thing and, and and i will also say that's there's a fine line between between performance and worship yeah. i will also yeah. say that like you have to be very intentional especially if you're good i'm a performer so i know when i'm in a skit or doing leading worship or whatever like i'm very intentional about saying this is god this is all about god this is not me this is not this is him yeah and um i i think the second question then is for the listener or the observer the program participant uh, to say, how do I need to be open to submission, or how do I need to submit today? Yeah. Um, do I need to submit my ego? Do I need to submit my terrible singing voice? Do I need to submit um, my, you know, whatever? Do I need to submit uh, my this sin that I haven't confessed? Do I need to submit my family life? Um, what, a grudge. Yeah, a grudge. Do I need to forgive? Um, how do I submit to judge, the will yeah. of God and who God is in my life? How do I increasingly make the Lord the Lord of my life? And um, that's a question that that we should be asking continually throughout the worship service, right? So this is like if you're in church, you're saying, "Okay, we're praying. How can I how can I be intentional about prayer? Um, how can I be intentional about tithes and offering? How can I be in, in, intentional here to submit for?" Um, you know, and, and sometimes we're offering, like sometimes it's not reaching for the $5 bill. Sometimes it's reaching for the 10. Sometimes it's reaching for the one. I don't know what it is. It's whatever you need to be, whatever you, whatever you need it to be. Um, and there are, uh, but there are moments where you submit. There was a time, um, uh, actually, well, now I've already said it. Now I was going to be curious. So I have to say it, but I was on my way. I was walking into church one day for, uh, it was actually, uh, a church Christmas party. And this dude walks up to me in the middle of the parking lot and his name was uh, Will. And I start talking with him. He's a good guy. It seems like I, and he's telling me he needs money. And the only thing that I have in my wallet is a hundred dollar bill. And it was given Ooh. to me the day before by a church Oof. member for Christmas. Oof. And um, which I was super excited about. Well, um, there was in that moment, where through talking with him, and whenever I talk with a stranger like that, I'm praying throughout the conversation. Lord, what yeah. do I need to do here? Lord, I need you to give me the words to say. I need give you to give me the wisdom. I need something here because I don't know how this is going to end. And I ended up giving him that $100 bill. Um, you knew exactly when I said it's 100 you knew what was coming. Yeah. But it's, oh, yeah. it's this constant oh, yeah. question of how can I submit? I'm not bragging about it. There's part of me that still hurts a little no, inside. Of course. Yeah, like... like like that's that's the thing. The fact that and that's the thing that nobody gets when you share your testimony about stories like that. There is a fine line. Like there are people who share those stories to build themselves up. Like totally. But if you've ever been in that, that's why I went like oof, because I, I have been in there where I'm like, that should have been my first like the fact that I held back in those moments almost like but I want it. Like that tells me I am not where I need to be with mm -hmm. God. Yeah. Because Jesus was like, Oh what, you want to share off my back? Here you go. You want my sandals? Here you go. Like God's going to provide. No problem. And the fact that I was like, it's mine. Like that, that's, I need to be, I need to let that go. And God's constantly teaching me how to do that. So it's not a look how good I am. Look how awesome I am. It's man, God is still teaching me a lesson, but isn't this an awesome lesson that he's teaching me? Absolutely. Like, like isn't this crazy? And I think that's exactly what worship is. Like you, no one should be able to come to a worship service and just feel good. You should either feel broken or disgusted and want to walk away. Yes. Like, because you have, you, because that's the thing is like, nobody ever showed up in the presence of Jesus and walked away just like, eh, 
They either walked away like, ugh, I hate this guy. We, we got to kill him. Or like, this is the, I'm going to follow this dude forever and ever and ever. Like, there was no middle ground. There's nobody who came and was like, ah, eh, you know, a C minus. I, I, you know, it was okay. And that's the thing is I like I feel like so many times in churches we allow that to happen. And a good sermon or a good Sabbath school or a good afterwards discussion, there's not as much there that you can glean from it because you haven't been led into a submissive worship experience where we are truly acknowledging God for who he is. And this is why I talk about this is why, in my opinion, it's so important. Rant time. We need a special... We need a special jingle whilst the person is working you, on whoever's our, doing our music, sound effects. We need a special up. that where I can be like, King Rand time. This is why I think it's so important. Because if you can do that, if you can nail that down, if as a worship leader you can bring people in and set that environment for the Holy Spirit to be able to start working, every part of the rest of the day is so incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. Um. I can tell you from my personal experience as a speaker, when I'm about to come speak, and I've, and I've spoken for weeks of prayer and camp meetings, um, church, you know, uh, services where I've been gone, church services where I was there for multiple um, times, I've preached, you know, series at my own home church. When I, as a speaker, had a really good worship, like someone came in and really led worship and built that, I feel it mm-hmm. as a speaker. And I am willing to, and I submit myself that much more as a speaker, and I can feel God really work through. I believe He does it every single time, but I am so much more aware of it, and and I have had so much more success as a preacher because I have allowed God to work through me much more because someone took the time to intentionally bring people in. And and man, I, it's interesting you mentioned where there's no place I'd rather be when you said that before. I have had I've had times, dude, like one time, and this is again not about me, but one time I spoke for an hour and fifteen minutes for a junior room at camp meeting. I spoke for ninety-five sorry, sorry, I, I spoke for uh hour fifty seventy-five minutes. Not a kid left. Everyone stayed there. Then we prayed for a half an hour. We prayed in groups. We prayed together. Um, we had just had a pastor die of a heart attack. And I had come in just with this this burden on my heart to say, we need to start, you know, th- this world is not our home. And that's basically what I preach on, this idea that, you know, I'm so tired of pretending like I'm okay with the world. I'm so tired of pretending like this. And, I, and the God worked through me for an hour and 15 minutes. These kids did not want to leave. I think two kids left before an hour and 45 minutes was done from start to finish. Parents came up later and were like, that was amazing. My kid has never wanted to do that. No one wanted to leave because I opened it up and I told them, I go, look, I'm done. If you want to stay, this is awesome. But God was there and those kids did not want to leave because they knew God was there. Mm -hmm. And I have had that experience multiple other times I've just never seen like kids and these were 11 to 15 year old kids. They were kids. Yeah. They did not leave. I've never seen that before. I've never experienced that again. I probably never will. Not one was on their phone. Not one wasn't paying attention. Kids were crying. They were breaking down. They were giving their lives to God. We had like five baptisms at the end because of this, not to glory me at all. This was all God, but that's the point. Mm Mm-hmm is I talked to the, the people who did music before. I talked to the camp, you know, people who were who were helping out, you know, the staff members, and we all prayed beforehand, and we said, we're going to submit. We're going to give God the glory because this is going down tonight. And it's going to make you uncomfortable. And it made people uncomfortable. And that's the thing is, like, it, it, it's, it bugs me because, not because I'm like, we're doing it all wrong, because it's like, okay, there's no way to worship wrong. There's no way to submit to God wrong. I, I don't, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, like, I, I, I think someone will probably disagree semantically, but yes, I, I, I see what you're saying. If you're, if you're actually submitting to God, there's then no correct way of doing it. 
because that yeah. gives like, you're you can, either submitting you or you're submit. not. Yeah, and that's the thing is like you can you can appear to or have different, you know, like but as long as you're submitting to God, there is no wrong way if you're actually doing it. But there are definitely times where we think we are and the blessing we miss out on the blessings. Like that's the big thing. When I went to my church and I loved my church and and I have to be very careful saying this when I got there, it was not an immersive worship experience. Um, it was not done very well, and I love the people who did it, but as we continued to grow as a church, we began to make it more immersive, and I began to talk to the worship coordinator and the people who were in charge of it and say, we need to bring them in and actually create a connection with the with the, the church members and the congregation so that it becomes you know, this, this thing. And as we did that, we actually studied um, worship and prayer as, as a Bible series, uh, as a sermon series. Didn't go over super well with a lot of people, but for some people it really clicked in. And after that, we be- it became a great experience where when people came in every single week, it was, it was powerful because they were creating this. I have to say every single week, consistently, consistently it was powerful. Um, and, and I will admit it tends to be more powerful in different circumstances. It's kind of going to the same church has its benefits, huge benefits, like the same congregation. But I'll also admit it tends to lull you into a sense of normalcy. So it's it's like if you go to a camp meeting or a catalyst or a prayer conference, like it's so much easier to go to an event or to have a special one-time event and to have that moment because there's something different about it. But it can still be powerful on a consistent basis. And that's kind of why I want to talk about this and say we need to do better training people how to do this and talk about this because it's absurd that we are going through these this, this, this one incredibly part of church, this incredibly powerful, vital part of our church service, and we're not getting as much out of it as we can. I'll be honest from the majority of the churches out there. That I have experienced. There are very few churches that I have seen and talked to where they're like, oh yeah, this is like every single time. Like most churches, they don't know how to do this. And so it's not, it's kind of blah. And we just go to church. Like I asked this question, this is, this could be another one for another one. But like, if you didn't have to go to church, would you? Well, I think I just, I guess for me, I think we're approaching and, and uh, this isn't, I don't mean this to be like America is such a consumer culture and that's why we're <laughs> failing at worship. That's not what I'm trying to say when I when I say what I'm about to say. But I do think that we tend to approach worship in from the wrong direction to say um well I didn't really get anything out of that today. Exactly. Um the question shouldn't be God what do you have for me today? The question should be God how can I submit today? And I think um, when we're talking about worship, because then if you go to church, like if you go to a church service or a church building with that, asking that question, then you're looking for what you need to do, not judging others for what they're supposed That's to exactly give it. to you. So you're looking for, which means you could be looking for a conversation at potluck. You could be looking for a conversation during the greeting time. You could be looking for a moment in prayer where you're convicted. It could be something in the sermon where you're convicted. I need to change in this area. God, where do I need to, how do I need to submit today? That's worship. Like that is worship. How do I give my life and offer myself as a living sacrifice? As I think it's Romans 12, 1. Offer yourselves up as living sacrifices, and um, to say that I want to live my life where the, where God is the Lord of my life, and like I, I wish if I ever planted a church to start off with a like a moment of submission, like where when we like we start off church with a small quote unquote worship service where we straight up just. Th- we're going to submit ourselves to God. We are going to like straight up open ourselves to his leaning. And then we go to Sabbath schools or, or the worship service or whatever. Like, I wish we could do that. Like I, I, I'm going to try that out the next time I, the next church I go to, I'm going to say, all right, guys, we're going to try this out where the first five minutes are just going to be dedicated to submitting. And I don't know how or what that will look like if it's prayer or whatever, but to open it up so that we have that mentality, you know, mm-hmm. so that we're all together in this, understanding what the importance of that is. Yeah, I agree. Um, I I just, I would love to see worship being done differently. And that means from the worship leader perspective, that means like you're, you're saying, how can I help my members submit to God? Exactly. How yeah. can I create an environment where my members are freed up 
to submit to God and submit their lives to God and become the fullest of who God has called them to be. I'm really big on that now. I'm really big on that phrase, on that statement. No, it's, that's, it's huge. That's my right? life now. Is It's, it's huge. Um, and, and, and you don't need to talk about style when we're talking about this. Like, throw all that out the window. Um, the drums don't fit out the window, Tony. It, <laughs> because it really doesn't matter. You can do it with drums, without drums. You can submit. If you're not bringing in that submission... It doesn't matter what you're doing it with. Yeah. If your statement like, is, I don't believe that that's how this, how this should be worshipped, or like, I don't believe that that's how we worship. Um, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. That may not be how you worship, but Christianity was never meant to be this thing where you project your sins or what works or what doesn't work for you onto someone else. That entire thing is why we have... Are your own. Yeah, that's why... Like, that's why we have dead ministries is because there are people out there who are saying it worked for me. So it has to work for other, everyone else. I don't care when it works for you. That does not mean it's going to work for everyone else. Heck, I thought Pathfinders, which is like the Adventist version of Boy Scouts. I thought and up until I was in eighth grade and I was and Girl born Scouts. and raised. Yeah. yeah, I was born and raised in the Adventist church, right? My mom worked in the conference office. I thought Pathfinders were just kids that went out and found paths until I was in eighth grade. I had no clue. And I was like, why are you guys so dumb? Like, why is that a thing? Why is that even a ministry? I'm not doing you're that. You're just hiking are all just the hiking? time? Like, are, haven't all the paths been found? Like, what, what are you doing? Um, and so I'd never had an interest in it, to be honest. And even once I found out what it was, I still didn't have an interest in it. But, um, and I think I've seen Pathfinders work for so many people. But I, if yeah. I had joined Pathfinders, I guarantee you i probably wouldn't want to be a part of anything right now because it doesn't in, it doesn't interest me in the same it way that your deal yeah porting canvassing going around giving books to people or selling books whatever that's been a powerful spiritual experience for a lot of people not me can't stand yeah. it i mean i did pathfinders for 10 years so i i'm the flip side of that coin but i agree with you and cold pouring is not my ministry but that's how my family i'm came not in yeah, the church i'm not calling for the heads of those ministries don't get me yeah, wrong not at all i know i talked not about dead ministries yeah. that's that's there are there are dead Pathfinder ministries. No, no, that's ministries. not a dead ministry. Dead, that's exactly <laughs> it. Like at church, it depends on the church yeah. and the place. But like, I think I'm Pathfinders sure are still an effective yeah. ministry in in general. Of course. I also don't necessarily... It's just not mine. Yeah. Exactly. So that that's that's how I say that. Um, so no one mishear me on that or misquote me on that. And, and I think like that's the big thing when we talk about like why worship is so important, why we need to be intentional about it, um, about it becoming an immersive experience. Is because you know you want something that's live. Every church does worship. Yeah, like every church does that. I don't. I know of churches that don't do Sabbath school, so I can't say every single church does Sabbath school. I can't say every single church has a men's ministry. I can't say every single church has a vesper service. I can say every single church has a worship service. Every single one, even the worst, most podunk, tiny little eight people show up. They still have a worship service. And you can make that worship service a true worship experience and a true service. Every church um, started because people wanted to submit to God. Like every, every single one. Every single one. And and we think like you're not gonna improve on that recipe. Churches <laughs> churches stagnate when they start believing that the way they submitted before is the way that everyone else should submit. So churches stagnate when, when, when people start to believe that the way that we've done it is the way that I have to train them to do it, and there's, this is the way that we do it here. Um, it's, that's, that's, I think, when, when we stagnate. Everyone still wants to submit, but it becomes about how you submit instead of the act of submission yeah. itself. And we could talk about ritual versus... Yeah, that's, that's, like, yeah. that's a whole... <laughs> but again, that goes into style. And, and yeah. then this is, to me, it's beyond style. It's above style. Like, that's the point. I didn't tell you what kind of songs this dude sang at this this church that I went to, you know, this church plant, because it didn't matter the type of songs that he sang. I just he, we were disconnected. There was this disconnect, and and that's the point: is that it wasn't about the songs, it wasn't about the style, it wasn't about the instrument, it wasn't about the ritual. It was about the fact that we, you know, you need to be able to. We need as a church to be able to start talking about how can we train people to do this more? How can we be intentional about this? How can we get awareness about, hey, this is so huge and it's simple little things. And I have a whole thing I could talk about. That was the one thing I kind of wanted to talk about is like the actual steps, how to do it. But it's like, okay, that's not just 
that could be different for everyone else. We just need to be intentional about it. Yeah. Because there are people who do it well. Step one, start asking the question, how do I submit yeah. and how do I That's help the others start. submit? That's the start. And God will lead you. Like, you don't need me to train you, although we have seminars on how to do this. Like, you just need God. Like, if you're asking and you realize, can this be better? Like, God will lead you in a way to be like, yeah, here's how you can submit to me better, more more intentionally. Well, I – um. Any any final thoughts? Are we? I think we've. Man, I, th- I think we covered it. So we're, I think we we're, offended enough people. <laughs> we can we can shut this one down. So we are. Yeah, we're we're about out of time here. But thank you guys so much for listening. I hope this was encouraging for you, or maybe eye opening for you. Um, we um, started off a little rocky as I had to get kind of get my head straight, uh, but I, I eventually <laughs> got there. So thanks for for bearing with us. Hey, if you want to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever podcasting app you use, go right ahead. Um, if you want to leave us a review on Facebook or um, iTunes, that would be also awesome. Shout out to TJ Sands, who I just met today, who reached out to me after reviewing the podcast on Facebook. So shout out to you, man. What's up, TJ? Um, thanks so much for listening. And uh, to the rest of you, um, if you are interested in supporting this podcast financially, head over to patreon.com slash absurditypodcast. Uh, it is not cheap to keep the lights on, and every dollar helps. And we do have some special Patreon-only episodes, exclusive episodes coming in the works. We have some um, some unique things for patrons, so um, get in early so that when those things drop, you don't have to, you don't have to wait for them. You can get them immediately. Um, it, you can start off at like the $1 level. Um, it's actually pretty amazing how cheap that is. But $1 a month for four hours of content a month. Um, that's a good deal in my opinion. Um, but I would really appreciate it. Um, so much if you did that. Um, also if you have any comments, questions, feedback for, uh, the show for us, go ahead and email me, Ryan one eight zero Becker. It goes straight to my spam folder. So I'll promise you, I won't, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I will read them. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Ryan one eight zero Becker and Tony. Tony underscore A-N-O-B-I-L-E. Anobly. So thank you guys so or much. You can just look up uh you can just look up the new Dr. Jones. Yes. So thank you guys so much for listening. And with that, we will see you next week. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by the Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.